productivity in tech podcast this week um i guess like every week i say this it's going to be a little bit different um my guest this week is daryl baxter uh daryl baxter's freelance writer Uh, he's written for such publications as wired magazine and the conversation that i have with daryl is kind of strange because we kind of just roll into the conversation so there's not going to be any like formal intro or anything else like that i just want to let you know beforehand if you were expecting that it's not happening but i hope you enjoyed it It was a great conversation i really enjoyed it and i also enjoyed the after show so if you are not yet supporting jnj media go over to our ko-fi page there'll be a link in the show notes to do that but also if you want to you can become a pit premium member and that is ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year you get special access to our our premium uh, groups in our discourse as well as our slack workspace and it's all about helping people be more productive at whatever it is they want to do so Again, that's productivityintech.com slash memberships for that information. But without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Daryl Baxter. My recording, don't worry, we got plenty of time. I just do it so I don't forget. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've a uh, first time caller, long time listener. You know, I've been I've been following what you've been doing with the Outpost show and I haven't checked out Pal Keys yet, but okay. I'm uh I could probably get into that. I it, I I listen to so many podcasts at this point. I'm just <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it's so hard to keep up. Uh, yeah, I bet. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So, I I have my checklist that I go through just to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Um, anything in particular that you definitely want to cover? Uh, I mean, I mean, I know the outpost show is on a hiatus at the moment, um, but it is coming back in about oh, give or take five weeks time. I mean, when is this episode coming out? Um, Monday. <laughs> Monday. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, I'm in the midst of planning it all now, so we can definitely kind of broach like maybe like how to do like a like a sequel to a like a series almost of a podcast something that i'm discovering now because that's a whole new feeling for me um and i'm doing a questionnaire i uh, don't know if you've seen it at all um but uh that's something i'm trying to push this week um just for feedback really um so that'd be something nice to cover uh let's see so we've got that uh obviously the power keys thing uh like the writing. I mean, I've listened to a few things. I mean, listen to the um, episode with Aileen um, a few hours ago. That was pretty good. I enjoyed that one. Um, is there anything in particular that you kind of you kind of want from me? Whether it's maybe my productivity methods or um, kind of my workspace things like that. You know, one of the things that I did early into uh, Pitt's life was I, I stopped focusing so much on the productivity and started focusing more and more on the person. 
And okay. a lot of that comes from just understanding that everyone does something similar and something different. So if we can mm. figure out, you know, okay, what's the similarity? And then what are the differences? People tend to, to you know, take their own productivity advice from the conversation. And yeah, um, I've learned just the the more and more you try to force it, the usually the the worse it comes out. So <laughs> yeah, I've I've just started making it, you know, talking just talking about the person and and what they're doing, how they're doing it, and yeah. and ultimately what what are some of the struggles and the rewards from that. So it, it's mm-hmm. it, you know if it if it comes up, it comes up, but I, I never try to um, force the issue. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I'm never one to kind of like. And I'm like plan every um every uh, episode like I do with our post show um just kind of just went along with it really and just uh kind of went from there but uh yeah I mean to be honest I mean we can definitely kind of broach like those topics and I, to be honest yeah I'm sure we can you know um cover a lot of ground really in that um but yeah I mean I'm just willing to just kind of go freestyle and just see where it takes us really I'll be yeah. looking forward to it and and I know that you are primarily iPad life right. Oh, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the, that's the whole idea of the outpost. So, um, yeah. that's, that's going to be one of the things that will, will definitely come up because I'm, I'm not iPad solo, but I am iPad heavy. So, um, okay. I, I definitely get that. And then, yeah. So the conversation, the way that it'll work is it'll be about a 30 minute conversation for the actual mm-hmm. podcast itself. Uh, and okay. then at the end, there's uh, what's called the after show in which that you just ask me a bunch of questions, whatever you want to ask. I'm an open book. Um, they can be about productivity. They can be about video games. They can be about anything. Um, okay. It's it's ultimately your time to get to learn more about me, um, either as a podcast or as a person. Um, the way that I see it is I always invite people that I would love to be friends with. <laughs> so it's oh, like, nice. <laughs> so it's, it's always, it's one of those parts where like, I hate learning so much about one person. And then at yeah. the end, just being like, all right, thanks. And then click and and never talking to that person again. So it's a great way to keep the conversation going. Um, and then also our, uh, the pit members get to uh, listen to this as well. And, and they often, they love it more than the actual podcast. So okay. I've thought about just making it its own show, but at the same time, then I wouldn't have anything to give to the patrons. <laughs> I could flip it. I could just have a regular show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, that's really smart. I like that. Yeah, that's really good. Because, um, I mean, I've got a Patreon myself, and uh, at the minute, I've got, like, a feed where it kind of – it's on its own schedule. Uh, so there's, like – like when the outpost show was running, I'd do like an episode like the week before it was broadcast. And with power keys, it's kind of like a three days before. But now and again, I'm kind of like, because I've like, <laughs> like recorded and edited like so many already. Um, I've just got like a vault, essentially, Jay, of like these episodes to go. So I'm just like, just take one, just have an episode page on patrons and just enjoy so yeah i'm kind of figuring out actually like membership things um so yeah that's an interesting thing i'm, I'm looking into at the minute and uh, you know obviously patreon is its own little thing as well yeah it, it was interesting to see that the patreon is going in that direction i actually i stopped using patreon a year and a half ago and and went to just a standard membership model through like 
member full, memberly, member something. I forgot. It's one yeah. of the ones that yeah. connects with Stripe. And it, the one of the, the key reasons for that is I, I'm, I'm a productivity coach, you know, outside of this. I'm also a yeah. audio and video editor. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm doing so many things and I needed a way to combine a lot of those things that Patreon just kind of didn't seem like the right spot. And yeah. um, all in all, it was like, hey, if you like what I do, any of the things that I do, here's a way that you can give me money on a regular basis. And then mm. um, I also have like other actual clients that <laughs> I just send invoices and that's easier. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. I mean, even though I've got a Patreon now, I mean, I, I am looking actually at Memberful as like an alternative because I know a lot of people don't really want to have the hassle of signing up to a Patreon on accounts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I was speaking to um, a guest who came on, um, Matt Gemmel, um, novelist, and he, he was saying how his membership works and it's all through Memberful. And I uh, have got like a page on my own site and I've got like a friend of mine who's been testing it and it works great. I mean, he just used his iPad, went onto my site, signed up for like a five pounds, uh, Patreon age for Apple pay. And he gets the same benefits, you know, without mm-hmm. having to, you know, sign up for a whole Patreon account. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's hopeful really. But I, I think I like the fact that I can give people like the choice really, rather than signing up for Patreon really. Yeah, and and the thing that I, I like more about it is it's easier on the creator because you don't have to. I might actually keep this part as the recording. I like this, um, um, but like with Patreon, it there's so much of a like do this for this much a month and then do this extra yeah. thing for this much a month. Whereas for me, it's just like hey, five bucks a month or sorry, is it five? No, $10 a month or $100 a year. Your choice. <laughs> the, yeah. the, what you get is the same either way, um, but it's only one offering. And for that offering, you know, honestly, you just get a direct line to me, really. Like they, yeah. they get invited to a private Slack uh, channel in our Slack that we have. And then as I'm working on things, it's like, oh, hey, I just put this out. Here you go. And then, or That's hey, it, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing this kind of thing. What do you guys think about that? Or, hey, I just yeah. finished this book. Does anybody want to come on? Or does, does someone want me to mail them a copy of the book? And, you know, they can <laughs> they can read it. And so it's, it's really more like there is no set, like, membership yeah. rewards. It's just kind of like, hey – you're going to be the people that I do things to do things for first. And yeah. I, I th- the, it's kind of, it's worked. I mean, they're most of the people who are members are just like, Hey, I just like what you're doing and I want to support you. So, I mean, a lot of them I'm like, well, Hey, what would you like? And they're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I hate to use like corporate speak, but it's kind of like, <laughs> um, I might regret this after saying it, but like passion pays in a sense, if that makes sense, because, you know, you, you're pushing out like the things that you enjoy to do. And if people are willing to, you know, pay for like, or to well, not pay, but support you, you know, through these gold coins that we call dollars or pounds or anything else, then I think it just kind of spurs you on even more to, you know, not only do like a better job of what you're doing, but, you know, kind of see what else you can do to help these people as well, you know, and, uh, I know I've got a Slack myself and I've kind of dabbled in like, well, should I do a little like exclusive members for it for Patreons? But 
I kind of like look at Twitter and I think, you know what, let's just bring people in regardless. Let's just have some conversation. And that's what my Slack is. So it's just, I just hand out like the invites and it's, it's become like really fun actually, because there's times where we'll do like, um, like at the moment, every Friday is like a podcast club instead of a book club. So everyone just kind of um, like sends over like a podcast recommendation and it's really fun and you kind of get a lot of great insights. So uh yeah, I am thinking about like what else I can do for that membership as well. Um, but yeah, the member full is really encouraging at the minute. So um, I want to see how it goes there. I definitely think that memberful is is kind of the way to go for content creators going forward. Um, I just yeah. I think that I mean even Patreon has changed their model a little to to kind of mirror uh, not necessarily what memberful is doing, but kind of go similar, go along those lines. And, and if you look at what a lot of the larger um, podcast organizations like Relay FM, and um, I don't know if Maximum Fun does it or not. I know they do their big fun drive, but uh, I know a lot of the larger podcast groups are kind of closer to this, hey, pay for a membership. The membership gets you certain things, but it's not like you get, you know, Option A for $2 a month, option B for, you know, $3 a month, option C for $500 a month. And you're just, it's just mm. like, you, you know, it's, it's too much to maintain. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I get that. I mean, I am a bit worried because I mean, Patreon did buy a member for like last August. So there is that like underlying feeling of like, well, are they going to maybe, you know, merge the whole thing like in a couple years time, but they have say, like said that, they are going to keep it independent, similar to how like Facebook goes with Instagram and WhatsApp. So, you know, I'm hopeful in a sense, but I think there's always that kind of niggling part at the back of your mind to think, well, what if, you know, how could this impact the members that I have now? Um, how is it going to happen with, say, you know, the cut that they would get? And I mean, Patreon and Memberful, because, you know, even like Memberful, I mean, you know, five pounds, four pound 30 of it. So 70 pence goes to them. So, you know, there's, there's another factor in this as well. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy with how it is at the minute. Um, I think at the moment, it's just a fact of, because of this exclusive podcast feed I have on Patreon, um, what I did for my friend who signed up to the member for, I just gave him like the Patreon podcast feed. And it saved me a hell of a job because it just meant that I didn't have to set up a whole private podcast feed on my site. I just sent him the Patreon one, which is so much easier. Um, but uh, whether that's cheating, I don't know. But it's just an easier way of kind of giving members like another benefit. Well, you know, one of the things that I did um, when, because I mean, we have a, a second feed for the members uh, is uh, I use Transistor, which was created by, I can't think of his name right now. It's a... Uh, Mega maker Justin Jackson um, out of out of Canada, and he, he's one of these like serial makers where he just makes a bunch of stuff and then tells people about it. And um, the thing I like about it is it's a single rate for all of your podcasts, no matter how many that you host, and you pay for you pay per downloads. So I mean, none of my podcasts. I think I think the lowest tier is like fifteen thousand downloads a month or something like that. And okay. it's $10 a month. So I have like seven podcasts that are hosted on Transistor <laughs> wow. that just sit there. And and I'll put out a show on, you know, what I'm with Jay Miller. I'll put out a show on Pitt. I'll put out a show on, you know, Ask a Brit. And yeah. 
I'm still just paying $10. Like I'm not paying, you know, $10 for this, for this podcast, $10 for this podcast. It's just a one-time fee. And, and really with, uh, with J and J media, uh, one of the things that, uh, my friend Jamie and I are trying to do is leverage that to bring more people in, uh, yeah. I guess to kind of create our own somewhat of a network of like, Hey, you want to get a podcast off the ground, you're going to need, you know, social media capabilities. So we have a buffer account that people can sign up for. You, you know, you can jump onto our transistor account and yeah. host essentially your podcast for free. Um, we have a single, it's called a Ko-Fi. It's like KO dash FI, um, where, the funds for that go to all of the artists, but then we also let um, those podcast. You know, if you have a podcast on that network, if you want to do your own private Patreon, you can, um, and yeah. you get to keep one hundred percent of that. And uh, and all we ask is that you you know help pay for the transistor fees if we do reach you know over the fifteen k mark, and then we got to jump up and it's like thirty dollars a month. But it's yeah. it's a way to make podcasting still your property, but also be economically viable instead of having to uh, basically give your content to anchor. And while, you know, anchors owned by Spotify now, it's like, well, you can, you could do that, but there's no guarantee that they're not going to advertise on top of your content without your consent. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's such a, a weird place, this podcast market now, because you know, like you say, anchor is now the property of Spotify. And, as soon as you go into that search icon on Spotify on the app, straight away it's not discover new music or you know browse the playlist. It's podcasts, so they are putting it front and center, and it makes me wonder really as to whether you know Apple are going to be pushing podcasts more when it comes to dub dub in June, really, because you know they pushed out the web player for podcasts. That's really smart now, um, but. You know, I think there's a lot more work to do on that front with podcasts with Apple. Uh, you know, I, I really want them to make a whole podcast creation app really um, on the iPad would be great. You know, because I've said in a few episodes on Outpost Show, I mean, I'm I'm just recording on, off my MacBook Air and it, it can be such a nightmare. And especially for the last few weeks, actually, Jay, because the keyboard isn't working properly anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> I have to, like, pop up my S key because it just doesn't register the S's, which is fantastic. And I'm only down to one USB port now because the one on the right just not work at all. Um, so I would love them to actually do something with the podcast um on the ipads really um but yeah the whole marketplace at the minute is i think it's so much up in the air now um and i think it's a wait and see really i don't know maybe whether it's going to be this year we might see some development but hopefully by the time it's next wwdc who knows i know the rumor um going around right now is that they're talking about um kind of segmenting the itunes app into all of those different areas that it contains right now. And podcasts were one of those. It was going to be a standalone application. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested in that because I'm not I'm not one that listens to podcasts too often on, on a computer. Um, usually yeah. it is on like my iPhone or my iPad. But I could definitely see where someone who's at work and you're working on your computer – if if you just were able to open up your podcast app and just have it, you know, in the background, I could yeah. see that really working. Yeah, I can. Yeah, especially when it's maybe just um, primarily in the menu bar in the notification center of macOS. I think that could work really well. 
but you know, like you say, I mean, there are rumors that they're splitting it all up, and I, I mean, I can see it working. I really can. I think more so with podcasts than anything, really. And I think the music app is going to be something to watch out for because I can't see the iOS app very moving over to Mac well in its current form. Um, I feel like there's a whole redesign there due for it to work on both systems. But with podcasts, I think there's a lot to um, to improve that. And I think from just seeing the web improvements, I think that's a sign that we're going to see, I think, podcasts be improved the most, really, on and on Mac OS as well. So, but you know what? It's a long time coming this with iTunes because I only use it really for, you know, loading up a few films on my iPad um, when needed. And when I go onto it, I mean, my God, it's, it's not the greatest of apps anymore. Um, but yeah, I remember when I, you know, when the first podcast were brought out to iTunes, I even remember the version number. That's how much of a nerd I am. It's ridiculous. But um, it's, it's a, it's a nostalgic app now, I think, and I think it's time to go, really. It's, uh, yeah, I just think it's time. <laughs> well, I definitely think that the the iTunes app, like I, I do use the iTunes app uh, or the iTunes, yeah, app on my computer regularly. But like I said, it's one of those where I'm at work, I'm listening to music, I have yeah. a playlist and I just, I tell it, you know, hey, play the, you know, play the song or whatever. Um, yeah. But still... I, I am interested in seeing what this next WWDC is going to bring only in that um, as a developer, I really want to be able to develop freely on my iPad. I want, I want my iPad yeah. to feel like it is its own machine. Like right now I have my iPad in front of me and I'm using my Luna display to mirror my recording setup, you know, on my computer. So I don't <laughs> yeah. like I'm in an, an isolated area for audio reasons, but I still can look at my waveform. I can look at your waveform, make sure there's no weird issues. I'm looking at my yeah. counter to see how long we've been talking. And it's I, I want the ability to do that without having to plug into my Mac mini because, yeah. I mean, I've had so many times where uh, a good example of this, I'm editing a video and I'm watching my daughter, you know, play in, in the living room. And I'm like, you know, I could be doing this a lot easier if I had my uh, magic trackpad in front of me. And unfortunately, my office is in on one side of the house and the living room's on the other side of the house and the Bluetooth isn't going to connect. <laughs> so yeah, for me, it's yeah. like I'm I'm trying to hit these touch points on a video uh, with with an Apple Pencil. And it's like... Just it's not working, and and there's this audio delay feeding back through airfoil, and it's just like I'm making all of these um, sacrifices in quality on mm. pieces of equipment that are quite frankly too expensive, and I'm I'm doing it just so that I can continue to be a part of my you know my family and spend time with my family, and uh, that's that's a problem. That's something that needs to be rectified. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I've I had to kind of really pull back when I was doing the final episodes about post show because I kept saying that I want to see improvements to iPad in iOS 13. But I think like more than ever now, you know, we're seeing that the iPads like hardware. I mean, it, it's reached a point where it, it's so fast. It's such a, a great design and everything's there now. It's ready to go. I feel like it's just waiting now for June. That's it. I, and I have said this before, but I'll, I'll say it now. Um, but I think because those features will held back 
with 12 a year ago, you know, I think if history had taken a different route and those features that we read about last year weren't held back and they were brought to 12, I think we would have seen like a massive improvement for the iPad and for iOS 12. We would have seen different features and we would have thought, yeah, this is it. We are seeing a change in the iPad here. So I feel like with June, this particular WWDC is something that a lot of people are uh, keeping an eye on, really. I think I think ever since, not since uh, iOS 7, really, since people were looking at a redesign for iOS, I think this is the next step now. Instead of looking at maybe low-hanging fruit, they're looking to see what the iPad is going to bring for a new version of iOS now. And a lot of people want it. You know, a lot of people have spent a lot of money, really. And they want to make sure that they'll be able to do the work that they're doing on other devices onto the iPad now. So I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, we're, what, seven weeks away? So it's not long. It's not long at all. So I'm going to take that moment. You were talking about the work that's done on an iPad. I'm going to just jump it right into the show, uh, continuing it on. Um, (laughs) You are a, a writer, and I, I know that you're a writer. You've been featured in, in Wired Magazine. You've been on The Loop. You, you, you've, you've written for some pretty uh, popular publications. And you're doing all of that on your iPad, correct? Yeah. So the, the question that I have, and I think it's something that a lot of people tend to overlook, um, you know, as someone who is also primarily an iPad user over the Mac side of things, do you ever find it difficult to coordinate and collaborate with people who are not primarily iOS, you know, device users? Uh, interesting. Uh, sometimes, because when I'm working with certain publications, they have to either have a format in, say, like Microsoft Word format, or they're using like CMS systems, content management systems, which aren't, was isn't WordPress. So it's it can be difficult sometimes to kind of, you know, send the content across um, because, you know, there are CMSs out there which aren't really built for mobile operating systems. So sometimes they will just have to say, look, can I just email you this document instead and just see what we can go from there? Um, but really, to be honest, Jay, that's like really the main and only main block I've had um, because, you know, there are certain ways around it i mean there are kind of other browsers that kind of that can render web pages as a desktop browser and there's icab mobile which has been really useful so uh yeah i mean it's it can depend on the publication but overall jay it's been a it's really been a non-issue and and how is that has that's improved over the last couple of years i I would definitely assume you know i i still i still have like bills that I go online to pay for. And and no matter, it's funny, I have a better resolution on my iPad than I do on my, my Mac mini because it's plugged into this, you know, whatever monitor. I don't even know who makes it. Um, but it actually doesn't, like the website won't load on my iPad because it says, oh, well, you you need chrome or internet explorer and i'm like what (laughs) and and luckily if i just if i just pull up safari on on my mac mini it works but it's still it's funny that there's still this mindset of 
Like we haven't even acknowledged that mobile exists still this at this day and age. I mean, like mobile phones mm. have been popular for almost two decades now and people are still not um, tailoring their content with the mobile first idea. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the feature in Safari where it says request desktop site, I mean, that's been really useful for certain situations like this. But there are times where you'll press it and it won't request for desktop. It'll just reload the page, which isn't really the greatest of uh, moments. But I mean, I'll go back to iCab Mobile because I'll just go in and I'll say, right, it's saying to use Chrome or Internet Explorer. So all I do is just go into iCab Mobile, go into the settings, and I'll say, right, can you now say that I am logging on to a computer with Internet Explorer or Microsoft Edge, and it will just render the page as if I'm using a desktop class internet browser, and I can just use all the features as I can on the iPad. So iCab Mobile has been so useful for that, you know, um, especially when I'm playing my, uh, my electric bill. That's really helped actually the last few months. So I don't know if you heard the ding, but I literally just downloaded iCab Mobile because I, I want to <laughs> see. Because, I mean, that that's ridiculous that, that we have to go to those lengths to to actually not not necessarily do anything innovative, but it's always like the basic things. Like you said, paying your electric bill. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's crazy how that... <laughs> You know, that industry is still a thousand years behind. And and as someone who, you know, my day job, I work for a company that, you know, we, we're not in a glamorous industry. You know, we, we sell sanitary products. We sell cleaning products. Um, so, I mean, most of our biggest customers are like bulk cleaning companies and janitors, you know, services and things like that. And it's like the same headache. It's like, hey, we need a mobile first mentality. Hey, we need to make sure that we're we're not rendering things um, using outdated tools. And and they're just like, but why? Like no one no one's complaining. And it's like it's not that they're not complaining. It's you're alienating this entire market because you're refusing to keep up to date with current technology. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there is another fear that kind of goes in when I see like this only has to be used on a desktop computer because then that makes me think, oh, no, they're going to require Flash now. It's not just this (laughs) this browser. It's going to be Flash. And I'm like, there is no feature on iPad or iCab Mobile that's going to do this for me. So, you know, luckily, I haven't actually come across that yet, which is I'm actually surprised by, to be honest, because then that gives me the impression of, well, if you're still requiring a, a Chrome desktop, then why can't it just come to iPad anyway? You know, so, you know, I'll go on to tools and tools on iCab mobile and it just works fine. You know, there's, there's no issue there. I mean, I'm looking at the issue and um, the features now and um, the types of what I can go on. I can go on PlayStation 3 for some reason, Pocket PC, Nexus 1, Chrome 54, um, Internet Explorer 6 if I want to go really like retro. It, it's there. So, you know, I haven't requested, he hasn't requested anything for Flash yet, which is great. So at the moment, it's a good workaround. But, you know, to be honest, again, if I can have this on Safari in 13, then I'll be, it'll be great. I'm looking forward to that if it happens. You know, I I think the next question that I had is, is probably one that 
Um, I don't know. It's more of a, I guess, a philosophy question for you. Um, as someone who writes content, you know, that's, that is, I would, I would believe your primary source of, of income. Um, as someone who writes content, I often see one of the biggest offenders of way too many ads on a web page served by these publication sites. And and I understand where they're coming from. Newspapers make money by selling ads and selling, you know, sections on their pages. Magazines are the exact same way. A lot of these uh, internet publication sites are owned or work with those same publication companies. So why not transfer that same idea of selling real estate on your page? But as someone who writes content, how does it, how do you approach the ad, um, the adpocalypse, I think, as people have called it? So do you mean like kind of like maybe like SEO, like maybe kind of, you know, um, aiming articles towards, you know, what the advertisement could be doing on certain pages or? Uh, more more along the lines of like in your personal internet usage, are you, I mean, are you running an ad blocker? Are you, um, are you a proponent of having to block ads that you mentioned not uh, of being afraid of being asked to run flash? Um, obviously, there are some security issues with that, but there are also security issues with a lot of malicious ads that get, you know, snuck into these ad aggregation tools and, um, I, I've always, I've always kind of felt, you know, both sides of the argument on that of like, hey, these writers have to get paid in order for them to get paid unless I'm giving yeah. them money to read their content. I need to keep these ads up. But at the same time, if the ads are potentially dangerous or if they're making the viewing experience terrible, I don't, I don't want to support that. So I, I mean, I run ad blockers, but at the same time. I'm also one that feels like I will join a membership if I want to support that, you know, that creator. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I do have like a, a an ad blocker that runs on my iPad called OneBlockerX and it's great. But, you know, I've spent a good, it must have been up to an hour of just making sure that I'm kind of blocking the right things. I don't want to just block everything on the web because, you know, I'm, I'm a proponent of like, you know, the web being an open standard and with journalism and writing, you know, unfortunately we're in a world where ad does pay. It it pays and it and it attracts a lot of people to the publications really. Uh, but, you know, there are like blockers in there where, you know, there could be, you know, like um, certain cookies you don't want or, you know, certain breadcrumbs that will follow you. I mean, Facebook was definitely guilty of that last year. But, you know, I think when it comes to ads on, a lot of like journalism sites and news sites, I, I do keep the blocker off on that because it, it is what keeps like the like the sites going and it's what pays a lot of us as well. You know, really, you know, we see a lot of, you know, lists, articles, listicles, people call them or, you know, they're even moving to YouTube, you know, in form of like their you know, top 10, um, you know, surprises in loss that you may have missed, you know, things like that. But it does, it pays the bills, you know, and I'm, I am a support. I'm supportive of it, and I think especially in this day and age, you know, of whether it's politics or social media, or you know, just society, or or you know, just the social groups that we all hang around in. You know, it's everyone has an opinion, and I think when it comes to the ads, 
it, you just have to support it and you have to kind of accept it that that is the way of the world. And uh, I mean, from just a, a view of mine that a lot of my writing is, you know, is a lot of my main income. I just accept it. You know, it, it is just one of those things where it has to be done. We're not, it, we, we, you know, we love our lives where we, you know, we have to put with a lot of things where we don't really like it, but we just do it anyway. And I think with some certain things with ads, I think the same applies really. So, yeah. So we, earlier we were talking about uh, the, the membership idea and, you know, it's, it's interesting that there are these, like, it's funny that in order to, to get around ads, people want to become members instead of just like, why not both? Like, I think that's actually one of the interesting things that I did. Um, there's a podcast that I've been listening to for uh, probably five years now called Daily Tech News Show. And, um, you know, avid listener to it. And I've, for the longest have been a patron, you know, of their work, but I still listen to the normal feed with the ads in it. And I do that because it's like, why not pay them twice? <laughs> you know, why yeah, not, yeah. why not give them the extra penance? You know, if I'm really getting that much value out of it, like I could give them more money or I could take advantage of this, this way that, you know, my view on this, you know, feed gives them, generates them more income. And and I, I think it's funny that we've villainized ads. And and I'm not someone who says that advertisements are bad. I don't think they're bad. I think if they're done in unethical ways, then they're bad. If they're done in ways that are sneaky or malicious, then they're bad. Yeah. Um if if your, you know, five hundred word uh, you know, article has four hundred words of ads in it, you know, around it, then that's also a problem. But ultimately, I, I think it's come to the point where ads done in good taste aren't bad, mm. but they're rarely ever done in good taste. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I have done articles the last month, actually, where I've said about how, you know, Spotify are advertising their family plan to get a, a free Google Home Mini. And I've done articles that have said about this, you know, and I've promoted it, essentially. and. I always do it in a way where, you know, it it kind of helps you discover, you know, why this would be beneficial for you, you know, how how this would be good for like say your family or if you're moving in somewhere, you know, not to sound like a generic ad, you know, just to sound like it's it's fun to read and you actually learn something from it. So I was listing like say the benefits of what a mini can do and also Spotify too. So I, I totally agree there, Jay, because you know, you have to kind of you know, do an article where it's not just reading out, out an ad about, you know, a certain web provider. It's it's saying about the benefits of something, but how you can get something out of it in a great and educational way. So, yeah, I, I totally get what you mean there. And and I think that there are, um, there are a few tech writers who have done a really good job about doing that. You know, they, they limit the amount of ads they have on their page by doing full-fledged sponsor posts and saying, you know, hey, this is a sponsored post. This is what it's about. All right, now we're going to continue with the conversation about uh, whatever the primary content is. And and I'm I'm okay with that because it, it's it's funny how advertising works. Like the idea of 
like the the Coca-Cola mentality is we are going to put ourselves so like everywhere so that when anyone thinks of a soda, they immediately think Coca-Cola. Like it's it you don't necessarily have to listen to the ad in order to have the ad work. And I think that's something that people tend to forget. Like I thought of Luna Display because I've heard so many podcasts mention, oh yeah, I have a Luna Display now and it's great and you should use it. And I've heard it so many times that now I skip the ad, but it's it's not that I'm skipping the ad because I don't want to support the person. It's like, I already own a Luna Display. I'm not going to buy another one. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. for me, it doesn't make sense. Like I, we have a Casper mattress, a Luna Display. Um, I think we've tried HelloFresh and Dollar Shave Club. So it's like podcast advertising obviously worked for us. But at the same time, it wasn't because I had to sit there and listen to the minute long ad read. I think you could yeah. make it a 10 second ad read and be perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I've listened to a fair few podcasts where they'll mention Squarespace and it doesn't apply to me because I'm already paying for a hosting service for my site and the two podcasts, you know, through other means. So I do skip that bit. You know, I admit that. And there's a few podcast networks out there who, you know, advertise Squarespace so much and I'll just skip it. But I know that if someone is looking to build like a website or a friend of mine, I will say, oh, I've just heard about this offer about Squarespace. You should get in on that. So, you know, I'll skip the ads. But usually when I press, you know, skip 30 seconds, usually they'll say about the little code. <laughs> so I'll just kind of like remember it and go, oh, here's this little thing. You should take it. So, yeah, I think it helps um, and it benefits everyone, really. So, uh, yeah, I know what you mean there. So I think the last question that I'll have before we jump into probably more fun conversation is how has the switch to freelance kind of changed how you do things? Because I know, I know that's kind of a big question, you know, it's like, <laughs> hey, what's the meaning of life? You know, like, but no, like uh, you, you recently... Uh, I think it was last earlier this at the beginning of the year or late last year you made the yeah and to have that be your sole source of income um that's something I'm in my journey to get to that point now but I'm I'm interested in what were some of the the big decisions that you had to make and then also where were some of the struggles that you know you if you're not constantly running into them you know that you did run into oh right uh I might ramble on this, Jay, so feel free to edit this. <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, so, I mean, when I so I went freelance uh, end of September last year, but it was a lot of planning. I mean, so much planning because I had to make sure that, you know, first of all, that I had gigs that I could write and the invoices were going to be coming in so I could pay the rent. You know, that was first of all. The second one was the fact that, I was going to give myself like a, a certain time period, you know, almost like when you start a job, it's like a probation period, you know. So I gave myself kind of three months to see how it would go and kind of like, you know, almost kind of talk to myself in a strange way and go, right, what went right? What went wrong? Uh, so a lot of planning is absolutely important. And also having a, um, and this helped a lot, especially at Christmas, um, having a, a separate bank account of a rainy day fund. Because if it happens and you you have that time where invoices are delayed or you get pitches where they're just kind of rejected, you've got to have some backup money spare just in case. And so that's incredibly important. 
I think another thing is, I mean, you have to love it. Really, you you have to enjoy it. You have to know that this is what you want to do. I mean, it took me so long to decide of who I was, who I what I wanted to do. I mean, for so long, I was unsure what I wanted to do at, at you know, college, university, and you know, I did the IT job, and it was lovely. I was just at a point where I had a crossroads in last June in my nine to five job of just putting in data into an Excel spreadsheet of like, is this really what I want to do? Do I really want to get excited about a certain project that's going to take advantage of an Excel spreadsheet? No, no, I don't. I want to talk about what I'd love to, you know, use, play and write about. And it just, I think a lot of planning, like I say, you can plan so much really, but it's not until you actually take that jump but you actually realize that there are certain things that you struggle with. One of the things is mental health, which is something that I was really kind of aware of because I had like a massive panic anxiety attack or oh, about two years ago, actually now this month in April, which I always remember now and harken back to. And I always make sure that I have time for myself. So there are there were moments where I would, you know, know that I was on the verge of maybe kind of panicking and thinking, oh God, I, I don't know whether I'll be able to pay like the rent or a bill or something. And a, a, another factor in helping this was just family and friends because they knew that I wanted to do this. And my relationship as well. I mean, my partner who I live with, I mean, I, I'm just amazed that there were you know, there were nights where I would struggle and she was there to help and, you know, eternally grateful to that. And I think you need that kind of support around you as well when you're doing this. You need to believe that people have faith in you. If they believe in you, then that is a massive, massive help. You could be struggling so much one day, Jay, and just for someone to text your WhatsApp, you're going, oh, I just read this in Wired and I thought it was really good. That can mean the world. That can mean a lot. So I think time for yourself is an important thing for those times where you're struggling and you think that, you know, no work is coming in. Because the thing is, you did this for a reason. That's one thing above all. You're doing it because you enjoy it and you know that you're you're almost meant to do it. It's what you're supposed to do. I don't want to be too philosophical, but up to a point, you're kind of on this land to do, you know, what you want to do you're not really bound by a nine to five job that you have to please someone else for. You have to do it for yourself. And self-respect, I think is a big part of this as well. You have to know that you're doing it. You have to enjoy it. And if you think that it's not for you, then, you know, there's no defeat in it. There's no feeling bad about it because you've done it. I think the worst thing in this world is not trying, not knowing that, you know, what, what could have happened. And I'm always living on that belief of never live on a what if, you know, lifestyle. Just go for it and see because you're going to look back in many years to come and think, God, what would, what would have happened if I didn't do that? You know, so um, six months in, I'm happy with it. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to admit that there are times where, you know, I'll, I'll take like a day job now and again. You know, I'm doing it at the minute, you know, because... You know, I feel like you kind of need that kind of break, that kind of way of just breaking things up and almost giving you like your mind a refresh. 
because it can feel like cabin fever, um, like writing away, pitching away, because you're just writing from an iPad. I mean, you know, you're not really kind of going up to people and saying, I'm a freelancer. Here we go. Let's do a magazine article. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a lot of passion first and foremost. But if you believe you can do it, then, you know, I'll be first in that line to help you and encourage you. Even if it's 2 a.m. and you're struggling, I will gladly encourage you to just keep going. So, uh, yeah, six months on, I'm happy. Um, I know it's the right thing I'm doing. I'm enjoying it. Um, but I know I've got a lot of work to do. But we'll see how it goes, Jay. I hope that wasn't much of a ramble for you. <laughs> no, not at all. And and, and that, was, that was encouraging. And, and like I said, you know, there are – there's so many different ways to to properly and and like ethically present your work and i yeah. i think that that's something that you know the the more and more that you show like you said you have to want to do it the more you show that passion in the work the less likely you are to fall under the you know the dirty ads and, you know, listicles just for the sake of writing listicles. I mean, like you said, you know, they pay the bills, but when you get to actually write a piece that you're passionate about, you, you can often sense that passion. Um, there was a YouTube video completely unrelated to any of this, um, that, uh, one of the writers for, or one of the creators for Polygon did, um, which was the perfect pokey rap. And in the, it's like a 40 minute video. It's like a talk that he gave and just the, the song itself is only eight minutes long, but the, as he was talking about it, he, he broke into more and more about why Pokemon as a, as a game, uh, what it meant to him and, and, you know, what his favorite Pokemon was and, and what it was like, you know, undertaking a project like this and, and all of the different areas. And you could just tell that he was so excited to finally be presenting something like that. And I, I think that that is the thing that drives a lot of freelancers, um, not necessarily the people who are saying, Hey, we need to do something that's going to get a thousand clicks, you know, so that we can make a hundred dollars off this article. Um, I mean, that's something that I look at each and every week that I do this. Like I make very, very little off of this podcast, <laughs> like less, less than a hundred dollars a month, uh, probably less than $50 a month, I think. But at the same time, I still take the time out to have these conversations with people. And, and I try to get people who are not just in the tech space, not just in the productivity space, not just yeah. people that have like a unique style, but people who are also passionate about the things that they're doing. And that is something, uh, listening to the conversation that you had, uh, was it with Greg? I cannot remember. I think it was with Greg, um, I think it was, yeah. about, you know, going freelance and, and just trying to find a coffee shop that had decent internet. You know, that's, those are things that like, as someone who has, who is, who's trying to get to that point, that's something that I got to think about. You know, there, yeah. there are so many Starbucks in town, 
But if I go to one that has the worst internet, then I'm not going to be able to get work done. And just knowing like, okay, hey, this Starbucks is better faster, or there's less people that go to this one so I can actually get more work done, or this one's quieter than that one. Um, it's it's just interesting to hear conversations that are not dynamic or, you know, epic and get value from them because of the voice that's coming from behind the microphone, the passion that's coming from behind the microphone. And I think that that's something that you've done very well. And I, I want to applaud you on that. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I also wanted you on the show, because as as someone who is who is looking at the success that you're having um, and trying to figure out how I can emulate that in audio and video editing and productivity coaching, <laughs> it's it it seems uh, it seems like I need more people like that talking about their journey and their struggles and their successes. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't say like thank you, Jay, for that. It's uh, that does mean a lot. I mean, I'm. I do all this because I I enjoy it. I mean, I know that, you know, the reason I did Outpost Show was because that I just love using my iPad and I just wanted to talk to people out there who, you know, use the iPad for their own reasons. And it's been great. And the same with Power Keys. I mean, I've just, I, I love games. I mean, it's ever since I was four years old playing Sonic 3 for the first time, you know, it's great. And just interviewing so many people out there, it's just been amazing just to, just to have fun and just to, you know, really just kind of, you know, bounce off ideas of like what could have been, what can be, and what this particular game meant to people out there. And it's such a great feeling because you can just tell in their voice that they are enjoying it. And I've always had an aim really with anyone who I interview is just to feel that they're at ease, you know, no matter what. If it feels too robotic or there's too many silences, then, you know, it's not going to make for a great episode because, you know, they're not, you know, they'll clamp up and I always want to make sure that they're just comfortable. That's like the one aim that I always get when I'm doing an episode. As long as they're comfortable, then I know we're going to have a good time. And I also actually try to just make them laugh at the first five minutes. I think if you do that, then you're going to be fine. That's like the main thing because you can just then like just ask them, you know, what really kind of spurs them on? What keeps them going? What what they enjoy and it becomes like a great episode you know and you know hopefully you know i've I've actually just added this up now and it's crazy like i've almost done 70 episodes you know (laughs) for outpost show and palkies all together and i hope that's kind of you know show through really and i'm just looking forward really to what you know future episodes will bring for both shows well i'm definitely excited to uh, hear about the return of the uh, outpost show and I'm going to start checking out Pal Keys again. I uh, might have to give me a week or two, but I'm, I'm putting it. I'm putting it on my to do list to check that out. Uh, before we jump into the after show, this has been a great conversation. Let everyone know um, how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. So um, de- I've just recently redone my website, which shows everything. So it's just DarylBaxter.com. I'm going to spell my first name, but everyone gets it wrong. It's amazing. But D-A-R-Y-L, then Baxter.com. And you can also find like my two uh, podcasts. So the one that's going at the moment, Pal Keys, which is a show where I interview a guest about their favorite game and boss stage. And The Outpost Show which um, season one was about interviewing people about their iPads and how they used it. And the return of it is in the midst of being done. So expect that very soon. 
and on Twitter I'm usually on there um, usually kind of saying about Star Wars definitely recently as well um, that's just Daryl Baxter um, but you can pretty much find me anywhere else with the same handle so uh, yeah be great for a chat you've been listening to the Productivity in Tech podcast if you'd like to learn more about Productivity in Tech the services that we provide or our community and how to get involved head over to productivityintech.com or follow us on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech. Thank you to Nadir Omawali for the use of his song, A Hustler in Spite of Myself, for the intro and outro music. I've been your host, Jay Miller. You can follow me on Twitter at kjymiller.com. Thank you for listening. I hope we've been productive and have a great day.